0: This morning, we're going to continue with our study on mentoring. So please turn your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 6 this morning. I know when you come to church this morning, to the so-called household of God, you bring all your... Your, troubles, your burdens, your trials, and perhaps also worries or anxiety because of what's happening in your life or what's happening in the world. We are in those times wherein the Bible says some people will depart. Some people will fall away from the faith. And it's starting right now. Many Christians, so-called Christians have been so-called, they use the word deconstructing their faith. But the problem is that they're not reconstructing again their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're deconstructing, but they remain deconstructed. And because of that, they fall away from the faith. And that's very tragic. And most of them are actually young people. And as as I told you, the next generation of young people, the next generation of this church, are mostly affected in what's happening right now especially with the false teachings that they're getting from the school system all over the world and it's not surprising because since the time of creation especially dating back to Genesis chapter 3 there has been this battle between our God and the enemy Satan and if you watch movies right now, what would be the mo- most common theme? It's a battle between good and evil. Between the divine and the demonic. Those are the main themes of what we are seeing right now on television or in the movie theaters. And it's true. Even if you don't believe that there's this enemy of our souls, The enemy of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan, is a reality that Satan is always there to get all those people who don't really believe in the word of God and don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and get them into his kingdom. And that's why we are here. We are here to connect with them, reach out to them and tell them that we belong to the kingdom which is victorious already. Because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as we have sung a while ago, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's the good news that we need to tell them. That we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And there's no way that you can be redeemed by anything else or by anyone else. It's only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God calls everyone, all of us, to respond to the word of God. And Satan, in his kingdom, he tries to teach us or lure us, invite us, to entice us to follow his lies. Remember, John 8 44 says that Satan is the father of lies. So, what's the best way, what's the solution to overcome the lies or the falsehood in the world today? We battle it with the truth. And the truth is absolute. And the truth comes from the word of God. So we will be looking in this passage this morning, Second Timothy chapter 4, and we'll look at this in a way that we teach each other to mentor, to disciple one another, especially these times. So our main point this morning is that we as mentors or teachers of the next generation should teach the truth. In order to fight against error, especially in the end times. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word that is in front of us, Lord. The word that we're going to study and meditate on. The word that you want us all to preach to one another. So that we can battle error with the truth of God's word. Each one of us have been called into this assembly, O Lord. Not only to just sit and to use our gifts, but also to disciple other people. As we are being discipled, we are also called to disciple other people, to mentor them, to tell them the truth. Especially, now that we know that we are in the end times, and that there are some people who might fall away from the teachings of our faith. So be with us, Lord. Open our hearts and minds, our eyes, so that we can see the wondrous things out of the law In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So please start to First Timothy chapter 4. We'll start at verse 1, and this is just the first part. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. The Spirit. The Apostle Paul started this chapter with acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is telling us, telling his listeners, his readers, that there's a direct prophecy coming from Him. It is important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us to understand His Word. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you are not a born again believer. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, then you will not be able to understand the Word of God. No matter what you do, there are some professors, even in some so-called Christian universities, who may be teaching the Bible, but they are not saved. They are not Christians because they just study the Bible in an academic way, not in a spiritual way. But we as Christians, even if you don't go to Bible college, as long as you read the Bible, from cover to cover you study it you analyze it you meditate on it then you will be able to understand it because you have the power of the holy spirit the god who can give you the understanding of his bible of his word so you much you are much better than the professors of those universities who are not christians because The moment that you become a child of God, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And he teaches you the word of God. Why did the Apostle Paul mention the Spirit right away? Because remember, the Apostle Paul was talking to Timothy, one of his children in the faith. And Timothy was a young pastor in the church in Ephesus. And he was a young pastor. And in his church, there were many false teachers Just like in any church right now. It is so sad that in many local churches right now, there are some false teachers. Some of those false teachers are the preachers, the pastors. Some of the false teachers are the deacons. Some of the false teachers are even the members of those local churches. And the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian believers back in Acts chapter 20, That you, as the elders or the leaders of the church, you should protect your sheep, keep them away from wolves. Because remember, there are some people sometimes in some local churches that are like sheep, okay, outwardly, but they are really wolves in the inside, they are very charming. They're very charismatic in their speaking. They're very good speakers. But deep inside, they are not born again. They're rotten to the core. They're not truly saved. And the Apostle Paul wanted Timothy to take note of those people. And we will see in the next few verses, what are the characteristics of those false teachers. And we need to know these things. Why? Because if we don't know that, there are false teachers that could be in our midst right now or in some other churches, then we might be influenced by those people. We don't want to be influenced by false teachings. That's why we need to be always in the Word of God. So the, the, the Apostle Paul says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. He, the Holy Spirit, tells us directly and with clarity. That something is going to happen very, very soon. And what is that something that is going to happen? That next event. So he said that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. What does it mean by the latter times? Is it just our time? Actually, the latter times is also called the end times or the last days. Did you know that the last days started when Jesus Christ resurrected and ascended into heaven? That's the point. The period when the last times of the end times started. The moment Jesus Christ resurrected and ascended into heaven back in Acts chapter 1, that's the time of the end times. From that point on until the future, that will be the end times wherein false teachers will be proliferating, even inside the church. And you know, that's more dangerous. If the false teachers are already in the church, especially if that false teacher is the pastor, that will wreak havoc on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's okay if the false teachers are outside because you can discern or recognize them. But if they are inside the church, just like in the church of Timothy, that's very, very dangerous. So what will happen in the latter times? Some shall depart from the faith. This word called depart from the faith is sometimes say, um, um, men interpreted as falling away from the faith, where we get our word apostasy. Probably this is the first time you have heard the word apostasy. That means some people will fall away from the faith. So what does it really mean? Does it mean that there are some Christian believers, real Christian believers, who will fall from their salvation and will become unsafe? No. The short answer is No. Because we know that once you are saved, if you are truly born-again believer, you will be forever saved. If the Holy Spirit sealed you as a guarantee that you're going to heaven, that will never be revoked by the Lord God. So what happens to these people who will depart from the faith? These are people who profess that they are Christians. They're just professing and telling people that they are Christians only by word, by name. They are just Christians by name, but not really in heart. Into their inner being, they're not real Christians. They're not genuinely saved by the Holy Spirit of God. So these people will fall away from the faith. Before, they know that the Bible is true. They thought that they that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. But... In the future, if they're not truly saved, they will fall away. Perhaps because of trials, tribulations, challenges in life, or something happened in their life that caused them to denounce our Lord Jesus Christ. Because a true born-again believer will never be unsaved. You know why? Because our salvation is not dependent on our own efforts. Not even on our own good works. John chapter 10, verses 28-29 tells us that the Father holds us in in His hands. And not only that, verse 29 says, Jesus Christ holds us in His hands. So two of the Godhead hold us in their hands. And they said, Jesus Christ said, no one can pluck you. No one can pluck the sheep of God from His hands. So that means our salvation and the maintenance of our salvation is not dependent on us. We are saved until we go to heaven because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be here today and you might be saying, You know, Pastor, I I know that I'm saved, but I need to continue to work so that I can keep or maintain my salvation. That's wrong teaching. If you have that kind of insight or view of your salvation then, do you really know what salvation truly means? When Jesus Christ saved you, when Jesus Christ redeemed you, He did not say, now you're saved, but when you fall away or when you commit sin, when you disobey me, then you will no longer be saved. So what happens? Do you need to accept Jesus Christ again and trust Him again a thousand times? I know someone who said, I, I've accepted Jesus Christ several times already in my life. Is that possible? You only need to accept Jesus Christ once in your life. If you have done that sincerely and honestly, then you are truly saved. You're assured that you are going to heaven. You're assured that the Holy Spirit lives in you already. So the first thing that we need to remember is that when we are mentoring other people, we need to recognize that there will be a falling away from the truth. That's a reality. We cannot... Expect that not to happen because that's inevitable. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. Many people have fallen away from the truth already. They have renounced their faith because they don't want Christianity anymore. And I remember this uh, one youth pastor several years ago, I think that was during the pandemic. Uh, he announced it actually on Instagram, on social media, that now I'm no longer a Christian. Before I was a youth pastor of this popular church, a famous church. But now I'm no longer a Christian. I don't want to worship Christ anymore. I'm now an atheist. And you know what the reason he gave? He said, because when I went to Africa, went to a missions in Africa, I saw all those children. And I cannot believe that God can permit those children to die of famine, of starvation, and suffer like that. I cannot believe in that kind of God. Can you imagine a youth pastor teaching young people, the next generation, about the good news of Jesus Christ? Suddenly, even announcing all over the world that he's no longer a Christian. How many young people will be affected by that youth pastor? Perhaps that youth pastor was not genuinely saved. Just like that movie Left Behind, right? The pastor in that Left Behind movie. He was surprised that when there was a rapture he was left in his own church and he realized that he was not genuinely saved so right now my brothers sisters i don't know your heart but god knows your heart do you really know that you're going to heaven do you know that you are truly born again Amen. you can know what's the bible says if you declare that jesus christ Is the Son of God, and you believe in Him, you receive in His his name. Then you become the child of God. Have you confessed your sins? Have you repented of your sins? Turn away from sin and turn towards God, and told Him, Jesus Christ, I turn away from my old lifestyle. I turn towards You. I want You to become my Lord and Savior. That's the only thing that the Bible tells us: confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and believe that He was resurrected from the dead on the third day. And if you're not sure, then you need to do that. Perhaps right now or after the service, kneel down before God and tell him, Lord, I want to receive Jesus Christ to become part of your kingdom. Too sad, many people are falling away from the faith, from the truth of the word of God. In the Old Testament, there are some people who were like that also. So it's not only in the New Testament that we can find people falling away from the faith. For one one example is Amaziah, King Amaziah from the kingdom of Judah. He started as someone who worshipped the Lord. But at the latter part of his life, the Bible says he departed from worshipping the Lord. Another one that is more popular and more famous among us would be Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 disciples, chosen specifically by Jesus Christ. But what was the end of his life? He committed suicide, and he was never saved. He became even the treasurer of the group. But nevertheless, he was called the son of perdition. He was never saved, even though he felt he belonged to... To the circle of 12, he was not truly saved. So that's why I want you to make sure that you are saved. I'm not here to judge you or to criticize you, but you need to evaluate and analyze yourself. Are you truly saved? Are you a born again believer? One more in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's turn to that. 2 Timothy chapter 4. So the next book, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. This person was formerly um, a co-missionary worker of the Apostle Paul. It says here in 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Demas is is an apostate. He fell away from the faith. He loved this present world. The Bible says, do not love the world or anything that is in the world because the love of, not, of the Father is not in the world. If you do love the world so much that you hate the Father already in comparison, then perhaps you're not saved. You're not a born-again believer. So don't love the world. Love the Father himself much, much better than the world that you live in. And one more thing is in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 18 to 20. Hi, many years in Alexander? So here the Apostle Paul describes to us another picture of a person falling away from the faith. 1 Timothy 1 18 to 20. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou them mightest war a good warfare. 19. Holding faith. In a good conscience, while some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Okay, That's how he pictures falling away from the faith, a shipwreck. Of whom, verse 20, is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Hymenaeus and Alexander were also missionary workers, together with Paul. But the end showed that they shipwrecked their faith. They abandon their faith. And many people nowadays are doing that also. Because they are frustrated. They are disappointed with what's happening in the world. And they cannot believe that God would permit such things to happen. Many people are asking right now, why would a good God, if you say that your God is a good and faithful God, why would He allow so much suffering in the world? Why would He allow those five men in the Ocean Gate Titan submarine, to die at the deepest parts of the sea. Why would he allow that? So God takes the blame for everything bad that's happening. But for everything good that's happening, who who gets the praises? People! Presidents, prime ministers, leaders, even pastors. God did not get all the credit and the glory when everything that is good is happening. How unthankful, how ungrateful are we, even as Christians. We should be thanking God for everything that's happening in our life. Good or bad times, we need to thank God. Because no matter what happens, whether in a good time or bad time of your life, the good experience or the bad experience in your life, God is always with you. He never would leave you or forsake you. Remember that. Apostasy, as it says here in verse 1, is predictable. God predicted that already, even back in the Old Testament. And it's chronological. That means the next thing that's going to happen, aside from the rapture, will be the falling away from the faith. And 2 Thessalonians tells us that when the Antichrist starts to rise up, there will be falling away from the faith. People will renounce Jesus Christ, and they will pledge allegiance to that Antichrist, the world leader, the world religious leader during that time. And apostasy is also certain. It's a reality. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. No matter what you do, no matter what kind of action or protest you do against the so-called apostasy, it will surely happen because God predicted that already. Now, in the next few verses, starting at the second part of verse 1 until verse 6, we see that in order to mentor others with the truth of God, we need to remind them of the false teachings. So now here, we'll talk about the false teachings that the Apostle Paul mentioned to Timothy when the apostasy or the falling away starts. Okay, the first thing he said is that they will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. These false teachers will be teaching demonic doctrines or teachings. Teachings that come from the enemy. And of course, the enemy would always contradict the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as a matter of fact, Satan and his demonic angels would usually pose as angels of light. Of course, they will not appear just like what we fabricate in our minds, like Satan, as a reddish-colored man with horns, with pitchfork, and fiery. Because that's an ugly-looking person. He will appear as a very attractive being in order to lure us, to entice us, to follow his teachings. And everything that is not biblical will be considered doctrine of the devil. Because anything that is unbiblical will always be of the devil. The devil will always want to contradict and oppose any teaching of the Bible. And what are those teachings? Verse 2 tells us, they will speak lies in hypocrisy. These people who are false teachers are hypocritical. You know what a hypocrite is? They are stage actors. Just like the time of Shakespeare, even the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are hypocrites like the Pharisees. In the outside, they look good. They say good things. They look very spiritual. But deep inside, they are rotten. They are of the devil. Just like the Pharisees. Jesus Christ said, these Pharisees, they tithe they tithe everything that they have. If they receive probably one piece of um, um, corn throughout the week, they will tighten it. But deep inside, their attitude is completely demonic. Why? Because they are judgmental. They are critical of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that Jesus Christ works by the power of Satan, which is completely False. They speak lies in hypocrisy. Not only that, they have their conscience seared with a hot iron. When was the last time you used your iron in order to, um, for your clothes to be uh, wrinkle-free? Perhaps not that much, right? Because we have washer and dryer right now. But when you use a, a hot iron and you you accidentally put it on your hand, you know, it's, it's painful right away. But after that, You feel numb, insensitive. That's what happens to the conscience of these false teachers because they are accustomed to teaching the so-called biblical principles and also the doctrines of the devil that they have become insensitive to the word of God. They do not uh, understand and, and apply the spiritual principles of the Bible anymore. For example, in the world that we live in today right now, right? The transgenderism, the LGBTQ, and so on and so forth. But I don't want to uh, to um, give you a false, um, uh, false um, viewpoint that I hate those kinds of people. Of course, we do not hate people like that. We love all kinds of people. We want them to get saved. But their lifestyle and their principles getting pushed into our system, especially to the Christians, they are becoming insensitive to what the Bible is teaching us. The Bible teaches us clearly that marriage is between one man and woman. And that there are only sexes or genders, man and woman. But now, because this has been very popular and famous, and it's a big movement all over the world, that people say, Oh, it's okay. If this person is of that group, it's okay. I, I It's not only I love them, I, I go with them. Even as a Christian, I follow their lifestyle. I, I believe in them. I believe that God loves them also and, and that they, they should be respected and they should be given so much importance in our society. But the problem with those people is that if we just tolerate them and not tell them the truth about the good news, then they will think that what they're doing is right before God. That's why our purpose here as the church, uh, in Second 1 uh, Timothy chapter 3 here in our passage, in verse 15, it says here, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, is the pillar and ground of the truth. So why do people go to church and what should the church do? Because the church is called the pillar and the ground of the truth We need to tell people the truth, even though sometimes truth hurts. Truth hurts. Truth offends. And that's why many people don't like pastors who preach with some kind of rebuke and correction. They just want to hear words that will tickle their itching ears. Topics that will help them make comfortable. Topics that will help them to feel happy and not sad because of their sin. But we need to be having that kind of balance. We give comfort, but at the same time, we tell people that they need to be corrected if there's wrongdoing happening in their lifestyle. And that's what we do with this generation that we are in right now. Their conscience is seared with hot iron. They're insensitive already. Because they thought that what they do, were doing right now is true and right before God. Right now, good is evil and evil is good. And truth is no longer absolute. Truth is relative. Truth depends on what you view about that thing. If you view that thing, your personal view is it's good, then it might be right. But we must understand that, as, as I've said a while ago, there's always this battle between good and evil, between right and wrong. And we know that even if you are not a Christian, you know what is right and what is wrong. You know, it is not right to kill a person. Who in this world would say killing a person can be, dependent, uh, it can be right depending on your opinion? Of course not. It's embedded in our heart that doing that thing is wrong before God. But the problem with the people right now in our generation, in our world, their consciences are sealed like hot iron. They are no longer sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And I pray and hope that if you are a Christian, if you have been lingering in your sinful lifestyle, because you are not um, free from having a sinful lifestyle you have your own choices you can choose to do your to continue in your sinful lifestyle but god says your conscience can become insensitive to my voice if you linger on doing what is wrong in your life you need to repent you need to turn away from your sin and ask the lord for forgiveness ask him to give you the power To overcome that sinful lifestyle. In verse three, Apostle Paul tells us some people are forbidding people to marry. So what's the problem here? Because during that time, uh, just like in in the in the in the former religion that I was uh, that I belong to, uh, the leaders or the so-called priests are not allowed to marry to have a spouse. But the Bible is so clear to all of us even back in the Old Testament that priests are allowed to marry actually they're encouraged to marry they're encouraged to marry because their spouse and their family members would be helpful and supportive of their ministry in the house of God but these people during the time of Timothy and even some in some churches right now they forbid their leaders to marry because These are the people who are called agnostics. You know what agnostics mean, right? Agnostics, these are people who say that the physical being of any individual is inherently evil. Only the spiritual nature is good. But that's not true. Because our physical being and our spiritual being are both created by God. And everything that God created is good genesis chapter 1 tells us it doesn't mean that there's no evil in the physical of course there's so much evil also in our physical being but these people are saying that there's a separation in any individual the physical is evil but the spiritual is good those are the agnostics and not only that because they forbid to marry they command others to abstain from meats food certain food for example Uh, Again, in the former religion that I belong to, on so-called Good Friday, you are not allowed to eat any kind of beef, pork, or chicken, just fish and vegetables. But later on, we will see that the Apostle Paul says, everything that God has created is good, and if you have thanked God for that food, whatever event would that be, then you should partake of it. So, some other religious would legal uh, would always um, put those rules and regulations. Don't eat this kind of food. I'm not talking about vegetarians or, just, or vegans vegans, vegans who, uh, who really want to adopt a healthy lifestyle. That's their own choice. But if your preference is being pushed or shoved into your throat by other people because they want you to be like them, then that not, that's not right. Right? The Bible says we have been given um, the freedom to choose what we do. Of course, in the context of what the Bible is teaching us. So these people are commanding other people to abstain from eating meats. But again, Paul says, This God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And then verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. So if you're a vegetarian and you're a missionary and then you're invited probably in an African uh, nation, you were given this kind of food, so what would you do? If you think this food, you prayed about it, why don't you partake of it even though It's outside your preference. Because remember, those are preferences. Those are not biblical convictions. Those are preferences, especially in terms of your health. Okay? So, thank God and pray for that. Verse 5, it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So, when we thank God for our food, especially when we are on our meals, we thank God for that, we eat that, even though... Of course, sometimes we don't like to eat that. Of course, the Bible says, do everything in moderation. Right? We do not uh, partake of any kind of food in excess. Because that's not also um, glorifying unto the Lord God. So these people are teaching these false doctrines, are infiltrating the church of Timothy. And it's happening also all over the world. So we need to open our eyes to these teachings. Then, lastly, and this I think the most important, in verse six: Be constantly nourished in the Scriptures. Verse six says, "If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained." So take note of that phrase. In verse 6, nourish up in the words of faith. Nourish up the words of faith. The word nourishing means to be instructed, to be educated. Some of you are going to school, right? When you go to school, when you have that kind of program or course in your school, what do you do? You study. You spend hours and hours of studying in order to understand what you are being taught. And that when you have your homework or projects, you can finish and complete those projects. So you study, you analyze, and you evaluate those things. The same thing that we do with the scriptures. In order to battle error and fight error with truth, you need to be nourished up in the words of faith, in the doctrine of the Bible. We can never grow. You can never grow. As a Christian, if you don't have the Word of God as part of your discipline, if you say, But Pastor, I go to church every Sunday, I attend Bible studies on Wednesday, and yeah, that's good. I commend you for doing that. But how about the other days? What are you doing? Can you imagine if you work from Monday to Saturday and you don't touch even your Bible, and then on Sunday you come in for a half an hour to one hour teaching from the Bible? That's only about one hour in one week. But from Monday to Saturday, you are overwhelmed by the teachings of the world for six days, at least six days a week. Do you think you can filter out all those negative things from the world with just 45 minutes to one hour of teaching from the Bible? That's not enough. It's like you're saying, for one week, I'm going to just eat on Sunday morning, from I'll probably include the lunchtime, but from Monday to Saturday, I'm not going to eat. What do you think will happen to your body? Even if you want to, to lose weight because you're overweight or probably obese, that's not healthy. The same thing is also important in our spiritual life. Can you imagine you indulge in the Word of God for only one hour a week and for the rest of the time of your life, you are not in the Word of God. It is not an excuse. It is not a substitute to just listen to the preacher's message on Sunday morning. The Bible tells us that you need to spend time with the Word of God. Even Moses, when they were in the 40-year wilderness, back in, I think, in the book of uh, Numbers in Deuteronomy, the Lord God says, every day you make a detail of your journey a detail of your journey your journey with the lord god remember during the time they were guided by the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire in the evening so moses journaled all those things and that's why we have the first five books if he did not journal every day what's happening in the wilderness In the presence of God, then we cannot have the Pentateuch, the first five books. The same with all of us. It's not enough that that we read the Bible and browse through it, but I always encourage everybody, especially those who attended our discipleship program in the past, to journal, get a notebook. And that's one way that you are being nourished, being instructed, because... Just like what we talk about this morning about the biblical authority that we stand firm in as an independent Baptist church, it is important for us to read the Bible at least from cover to cover every year. And then one person said in our class this morning that when you read the same passage every year or even every day, God will give you a newer insight and application to your life. We need to go beyond that point of just reading. We need to journal, take notes. That's why I encourage you, when you listen to the message, take some notes, because God is speaking through me as his messenger. This is not my opinion, this is the word of God. And he wants us to be constantly nourished in the scriptures. Because the scripture is 2 timothy 316 again uh, can ask everybody who knows second timothy 316 all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness all is scripture so you don't get to choose and to pick which passage you like to read don't just read Psalms and proverbs all throughout your life But read from Genesis to Revelation. Even the book of Leviticus. Even the book of Numbers. I know, sometimes you might feel it's so boring to read. But God put those books because it's relevant to our life. From Genesis 1-1 up to Revelation 22-21, everything is relevant. Everything is given by inspiration of God. And just like what I've said this morning, even the periods, the colons, the jots and the details, the Lord Jesus Christ said, they are important. They will not pass away. Even though heaven and earth will pass away, the Word of God will never pass away. We must read the Word of God, study it, meditate on it. And if possible, master the content of the Word of God. Memorize. I know someone who memorized Psalm 119. Can you imagine Psalm 119? All 176 verses, the longest chapter in the Bible. Someone memorized that. I'm not telling you to memorize that, but at least memorize one verse. At least probably once a week, memorize that. And you know what happens? when you become a master of the word of god i'm not saying that you'll be perfect but you can become a master so that no one can twist you around when someone tells you about a false teaching you know how to deal with that let's turn to second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 this will be the result second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 study to show thyself approved unto god that means be diligent In studying the word of God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you will not be ashamed when you know the word of God. And then you will give the right credit and the glory to the Lord because you are dissecting the word of God properly and accurately. You don't just mention one passage and then explain it according to your own opinion. You are able to interpret it because the Holy Spirit teaches you and guides you into the truth. So how do we leave the teachings that we have learned from this morning? That there will be false teachers. We need to recognize, recognize their teachings and we need to be nourished in the doctrines of the faith in the Bible in order to overcome falsehood. First and foremost, I would like to challenge you to live in the spirit. We started this passage with the phrase now the spirit expressly tells us or speaks expressly that in the latter times there will be people departing from the faith if you are a born-again believer the bible says walk after the spirit and not after the flesh you know why because the flesh is always opposed to the spirit the flesh says I want to eat this Big Mac meal. But the Spirit says, it's not healthy for you. The Bible says, do not go into that place because you will be influenced to do something wrong. But the flesh says, it's okay, I can go there because I know that I'm strong in the faith. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But your flesh says, It's okay, Lord. I can marry my boyfriend or my girlfriend even though he or she is not a Christian. When we get married, he or she will be converted. Those are excuses that God doesn't want to hear from all of us. Because whatever he says in the word of God, he says, follow that. And you will not get into so much trouble. You'll be in more trouble if you disobey the word of God. So live in the spirit. The spirit guides us. The spirit goes ahead before us and make us choose the right direction. And of course, in correlation with this, live by the word of God. Obey the word. Trust that the word of God is the only basis and foundation of our Christian lifestyle. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that now we know that there are false teachers all over the world right now. But you have equipped us with so much tools and resources, and especially the word of God, to serve as our weapon. Because the Bible says, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It serves as our offense and defense against the enemy. So help us, Lord, to be masters of the content of your word. And that through your word, we'll be able to live by the spirit of the living God, follow his leading and direction, and to live by its principles, the principles of God's word. If there are some people here, O Lord, who are confused about their salvation, O Lord, we pray also for them. And I pray that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, turning away from their sin and turning towards the Lord. And there are some here in our midst who are born-again believers who might be living a life that is like the life of these false teachers. Lord, help us to mentor them with the truth. Help us, Lord, to disciple them and tell them that they need to go back to the teachings of God's word. Because we want, we don't want them to be influenced by the world that we live in. Thank you so much, Lord, for the perfect word that you've given us, inspired by your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the redemption that you've given us through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.